next on the OHIO podcast. We bask in the glory that is Brian Hartline and his recruiting prowess before we dive into more recruiting news and then we debate the Mount Rushmore of Ohio State Buckeyes during the 1970s. Plus, Eric interviews listener Scott Rogers. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from a hot, sticky north-central Ohio, where I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Chris Wilds. How is the wild man tonight here at the end of June in the OHIO? It's warm, man. It is warm out there. This isn't your kind of weather, man. I am ready for football season, if nothing else, than for the... The, the nice breeze in the hoodies, man, because let me tell you, I am over this hot stuff already. <laughs> no, see, that's where you and I differ because I love it, man. Give it to me. I, I hate the white stuff, so I'll take this any day. If you're not satisfied with pickup games and unranked matches, chances are you're aiming higher than most. At Spire, you'll train to be the best, whether you're drawn to the pool track, map, basketball quarter, game controller. We provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home or take advantage of free transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit SpireCleveland.com today. All right, Chris. What a week for the Buckeyes, man. What a I week mean, for Brian Hartline, Eric. <laughs> He's just, just, just when you thought, I told everybody, relax, we're going to be just fine. Bada boom, bada bing. Well, back to back to back. Uh, uh, big time top 50 recruits in the nation. And lo and behold, Ohio State now has five in the top 100. They have two five-star wide receivers again. And it looks like things are not going to be slowing down for Ohio State on the recruiting front in either the 2023 or 2024 recruiting classes. All is right with the world, and everybody who was panicking can calm down now, Chris, because it's just unbelievable what Brian Hartline is doing. I, I To me, at this point, I've said it – I think I said it a show or two ago. I'm going to say it again. I don't know of any singular guy who's not a head coach who is as good of a recruiter at his position in ever in the history of college football, Chris. I've never Eric, seen this. I, I don't know if right now in the game 
I don't care whether you're a head coach or an assistant, if he's not one of the five top five to eight recruiters in the game overall. This is this is true. I mean, obviously you've got Nick Satan, you know, who who seems to just be able to pluck five stars off yeah. trees, you know, you've got down Saban, in Alabama. You've got uh, uh, Lincoln Riley. He's doing well. Ryan Day. You got Ryan Day. You've got uh, Texas A&M coach uh, F- uh, Fisher. Well, he's who, got deep pockets. You've got you've got you've got some. I don't know how much recruiting was him and how much of it was is actually the boosters there in A and M. So, but what Brian Hartline's doing is amazing. We're gonna t- we're gonna dive into that. But first, let's talk about the guys he got: Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, Noah Rogers, Chris. Which one do you want to start off with? Well, I say let's start with uh, Carnell Tate. I mean, let's do it. I, you know, he's a five star. 6285 pound wide out out of IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Of course, Eric, you know we do IMG well, we do Florida well. Tate's the 28th best player in the country according to the 247 Sports Composite. He's third best among receivers, seventh ranked from the state of Florida. Eric, we said it, Heartline's done it again with this kid. He's a tremendous talent. Love the competitive nature, and you can just see the fight in this kid. He shows it in in his film great first step he uses this burst to create separation at the line of scrimmage tremendous body control very solid footwork eric the kid has big strong hand 10 inch hands big <laughs> hands i mean that's big by nfl standards uh you know he catches the ball tremendously well he has those strong hands to help pull in the tough catches crisp routes um and he runs like a running back after the catch you know, he definitely would benefit from adding 10, 15 pounds of muscle. And on that 6'2 frame, he's got the room to do it. He is deceptively quick. You know, he doesn't really have that top end speed that we like to hear as, as far as your burners go. But great burst, good skill set, and tremendous athleticism, which more than make up for it. Eric, another thing I love about the kid, as a freshman, he played his high school ball in Chicago. So played eight games of varsity ball in Chicago where they do have tough football in their city league. 28 catches, 444 yards, five touchdowns. Led his team to the state semifinals. But the big thing is the kid knows how to perform at a high level in autumn weather in the Midwest. Definitely a benefit when you hear about a guy coming out of Florida. You know, he's in a crowded receiver room. I think he makes an impact early on, maybe a little bit on special teams. But I'll tell you, I'm just excited to see what happens. This kid is going to develop into a top target on this team. He's just, he's just got too much ability not to. All right. So here's my notes on, on Carnell Tate. Great first step, above average hands, knows how to take a hit, can play both outside or on the inside in the slot, has great length and size, and knows how to use it to his advantage isn't afraid to mix it up as a blocker. Here's here's the only downfalls I saw here, Chris, could learn more about the route tree and work on making more crisp cuts in his mid-range routes. That's the only negative I could find on his entire <laughs> entire junior uh, highlight reel right there. Um, and I think he could be used right away as a punter kick returner at Ohio State, step right into that role. Yeah. Um. Love the name, last name Tate. We need another. We we need a we need a positive tater tot 
after the last tater tot we had. So I, I like that. Um, here's one for you. I, I was trying to find like guys who these guys remind me of. And I sat here and I was like, I could pick like like right away when I look at his film, it reminds me so much of Marvin Harrison Jr. But that's kind of an op out because the guy's on the team right now. You know? Well, and I think Harrison has, has a bit more speed. OK, so so here's a name for you. Are you ready for this one? How about Charles Rogers back when he played at Michigan State before he became Megatron? OK, OK, about the same size. I think he's got a similar game. A lot of that, I'm just going to jump up and, and take snag the ball away from you type thing. You're not going to be able to stop me. And I agree with you. I think you put about 15 to 20 more pounds of muscle on him. I think he's Charles Rogers. Wouldn't be a bad thing. No, not at all, right? We'll 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 definitely take that. So, um, and 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 and, and I'll come back. We'll come back to Tate in, in a minute. But let's go ahead and talk about the next big boom. How about Brandon Ennis, the other five-star. And this guy's even ranked even higher, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, six foot, 190 pounds. He may have, right now with his size and frame, he may be the most college-ready of the three guys we got. Now, six foot, 190 pounds, as I said, out of American Heritage High School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Eric, again, we're rocking it in Florida. 247 Sports Composite has him listed as the 18th best player in the country. Second best among receivers. He's listed as the fourth best prospect from Florida. A kid that reopened his commitment after uh, Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma. And, you know, I think there were some thoughts that he was going to land at USC. But you know what? I am glad to see that he isn't. Uh, first thing I noticed was the way this kid plays every game, Eric. Every time he steps on that field, he looks like he has a chip on his shoulder. And he wants to prove that he is the baddest man on the field. I thought the kid played like a beast. I mean, tremendous first step. Fires out of his stance when the ball snapped. He makes good use of his hands, and he's really shifty and has come that shake there on the line to help create separation. Again, great hands, and when he gets the ball after the catch, he runs angry. At times, it seems more like he'd rather run over you than run around you. Now, of the three, I think he is the most crisp in running the, the routes. I really love how he can just stop on a dime and change direction. Uh, you know, not quite as quick and shifty as a Barry Sanders, but, you know, at times, uh, you know, when you would see him stop and make, you know, change a direction, it was reminiscent. Uh also, very strong hands. I recall one of the highlight in the highlight reels, a play where he's coming across the middle. The, the quarterback leads him just too far, and he just stretches out, grabs that ball with his hands, and brings it back in. Uh, you know, just great concentration, great toughness, good size and strength, and it's only going to get better when he gets into the Body by Mick workout program. Again, he's not a top-end burner, but he has quickness and twitch, and a skill set that, you know, overcomes that lack of straight line speed. I really love this kid. I think he's going to do great things as a Buckeye. All right. A flat-out burner is what I called him. A Mr. Can-Do-It-All. Has to play quarterback for his high school quite a bit um, because of, you know, their lack of options there. Yeah. Um, so I'm instantly thinking wildcat option for him right away. 
Um, this also reminds me a little bit of Paris Campbell. If you recall, Paris Campbell was a quarterback in high school. And uh, he came to Ohio State and developed very well as a receiver, so much so that he got drafted in the NFL as such. Um, and then I also thought about a quarterback turned receiver because of injury, a little bit of Braxton Miller shaking bake to him. Now, I, I agree. I don't think Ennis is the, the top line speed that Campbell or definitely Miller had. But there's a lot of that shiftiness, that that hip action right. that he has that those guys had that remind me of them. So to me, Brandon Ennis is just you're right. He's definitely got more of the body uh, for college football right away. I, I do think that Ohio State will find a use for him on maybe some like shovel passes and getting him in motion, things of that nature, setting him up. Uh, behind center to really, really fluster, uh, fluster and frustrate a defense. Um, so I think Brandon Ennis is gonna is gonna be a, a another tool in the tool bag for Ryan Day to play with, with just the ridiculous amount of riches that Brian Hartline is offering him. Ryan Day, is there anything he cannot call at this point? You know, it's just like any of these guys can call on them to do something crazy and, and their athleticism is just going to take over. So to me, this was a big hit. He is the highest ranked guy in the class at 18th nationally, like you said, second in his position. So that's the second and third ranked wide receivers in the nation back to back. But then we're just going to go ahead and grab the ninth one to add our fourth receiver to this class. Number 50 ranked Noah Rogers. Chris, what'd you think of Rogers? Oh, I feel, let me tell you, Eric, that, that's pretty good, isn't it? When you get a third of the team of the country's top nine receivers yeah. coming to your school. Kind of good. You know, Noah Rogers, 6'2", 180-pound wide receiver from Rollsville High School in Rollsville, North Carolina. Rogers, 50th best prospect in the class of 2023, according to the 247 Sports Composite. As you mentioned, ninth best among receivers. He is the number one recruit from the state of North Carolina. Uh, decent size, uh, could put on some of that muscle mass, just like we spoke about a little bit uh, with Tate. But, you know, he does have sub-4.5 speed in the 40. He gets off the line well. He is elusive. And I really think he breaks very well coming out of his routes to create separation. Great footwork, exceptional body control. And he knows how to use that body to really almost box out defenders when he's when you got a jump ball situation. He's physical, he can break tackles, runs extremely hard after the catch, really good hands, and is equally adept at either going deep or going across the middle. Now, while he really seems to get deep almost effortlessly, he's also very good at finding and sitting in the holes in the zone. (laughs) Yeah. He high points the ball really well, and he plays longer than his 6'2 frame, if you can imagine that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, he can get up and make the tough catches look easy, and the easy catches look automatic. Mm-hmm. Rodgers comes back to underthrowing balls really, really well. I thought he adjusted well to, you know, some poorly thrown balls by the quarterback in his highlight reel. I I don't know what he's not. Maybe the most physical of these three receivers Show, showed some solid blocking in the footage. You know? I see the kids film specifically on the sideline catch where he toe touched yeah. and a few of the acrobatic kind of body twisting catches over the middle. And it's kind of reminiscent. Again, I'm going to mention a guy on the team, 
kind of reminiscent of what we saw from Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm. Yeah, you know, now I'm not going to label him the next JSN. I'm not saying that he can attain that level because let's face it, I think we're looking at greatness right now. But I'm just saying I can see some of the dynamic playmating ability in Rodgers that we've seen from Njigba. Um, he is going to benefit, again, from some time in the Buckeye conditioning program, add a little muscle mass. Needs to be a little bit sharper, I think, on running his routes. Maybe a little bit more discipline in the route running. But, you know, he has the perfect coach to help with that and Brian Hartline because I'll tell you, he knows how to develop some route runners. He didn't do a bad job of them himself when he was at Ohio State either. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much read for, right from my notes, Chris. A terrific leap, leaper with great hands can create separation both with his feet and with his hands. What I, here's what I love about him. When a play breaks down, he makes something happen and he gets open. He has a knack for getting open, and I call it backyard football. You yeah. know, when the play breaks down, the quarterback's scrambling. He has a way of getting open. You called it finding a, a space in the zone or sitting down yeah. in the zone. Yeah, he has he knows he just has a feel for it, I guess, is the way a sixth sense to it. You know, the other um, thing that's kind of interesting, Eric, is you talked about a little bit with Tate and uh, a little bit as well with um, Ennis, Ennis, the ability to kind of uh, almost like they, they've got that ability to play other positions because of their mm-hmm. athleticism. Well, this kid was kind of amazing because not only. Did he play some defensive back? You know, did he play receiver? He played a little bit of quarterback. And Eric, this kid was kicking 75-yard punts as a sophomore. Yeah, I mean, this guy can do a whole lot for us. Total package, right? I mean, just total package. And Um, and he's the lowest rated of our three. Of those three, I know. Yeah, and he has the similar name, Rodgers, without a D. But then we had Bryson Rodgers, the wide receiver from uh, also from Florida, who's in this class as well. And I love, (laughs) I love how the wide receivers coach from Michigan was like, "Hey, Bryson, how's it going?" No reply. Hey, Bryson, how's it going? He replies with, "Go Bucks." (laughs) Yeah, I loved it. That was awesome. I don't know that Bryson Rogers is going to stay committed. I th- I mean, I hope he does. Um, I I definitely think that there could be some development there. I mean, let, I mean, let's be honest. You know, you've got Chris Olave is one of the best receivers in Ohio State history. He was a three star man. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes these rankings are, you know, they're they're not accurate. But you know, that just, that doesn't mean that you're that you're destined to be a, a great one in college. And if you're a three star, you're just going to always be a backup. That's not what that means. It's just kind of how you're evaluated at camps and, and with your film is all that means. But anyways, to get back to my notes here. Um, he's another outside guy. Uh, Noah Rogers is, but isn't afraid to play in the slot and go in the middle and could. And again, he's another one who could jump right in with a, as a special teamer right away. Um, and then. I said the same thing you did, Chris. His route running needs to become a little bit more crisp. But that's why they go to the school of Brian Hartline is because he's the he's the best in college football at teaching them how to get in and out of those routes properly. And so that the NFL scouts, you know, uh, see the talent that they have and and they can be successful at the at the next level. Speaking of Brian Hartline, let's talk about him a little bit. Chris, how's he doing this, man? Well, I'll tell you, Eric, for, before we look at Brian Hartline, as far as what he's done, 
let's just review a little bit what he's done. I mean, he took over, what, 2019 as the wide receiver coach. And though he didn't wasn't responsible for recruiting him, Garrett Wilson was in that class. 2020, we get Fleming, Smith and Jigba, Gee Scott Jr. You know, Agbuka, Harrison Jr. and Ballard in 2021. Yet 2022, you get Caleb Brown, Keon Grays, Caleb Burton, and Kojo Antwi. Now, Eric, that's the first class, by the way, where he didn't have a five-star. But you know what? It didn't really matter because he got the guys he targeted. Right. And you know what? I'm going to trust Hartline's, you know, judgment over what the, the rankings say. He's earned that at this point. Uh, you know, we got 2023. We just talked about the guys there. This guy is just on fire. And you ask how he's done it. Well, let's start by this. He's showing them the way. He's showing them the way to the NFL. He's doing that by putting Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave both in the first, you know, what, 15 picks of the NFL draft last year. You know, two wide receivers from the same team in the same season. And statistically, neither one of them was even the better, best receiver on the team. JSN last year actually led the team in reception yards and yards per catch. So, I mean, it's like this. If you are a receiver, you, well, any player, any position really, you've got the aspiration of going to the next level. You're going to go to the school that's going to get you there. Hartline knows what it takes. He knew what it took to get himself there. He knows what it takes to get these guys there. And now he's shown these guys that. And you know what? It's kind of a, a great, really this amazing kind of symbiotic relationship overall because when you get the best receivers of the school, Eric, what happens is you tend to find that you get the best quarterbacks coming to that school because why would you want to go to a school where you've got a lesser quarterback? Well, at the same time, when you get the best quarterbacks at the school, the receivers are going to want to go there. And right now we are in one great groove. And, you know, just talking about his recruiting in general, let's not forget, it doesn't, it isn't limited to the wide receiver room. I mean, we've got a Heisman candidate quarterback playing for the Buckeyes this season, C.J. Stroud. Do you know who his secondary recruiter was, Eric? Ryan Hartline. Absolutely. His backup and the guy that's going to be fighting off Devin Brown next season, Kyle McCord. Hartline was also his secondary. Hartline's been involved with, you know, the recruitments of JT Tuamalulau, Jack, uh, Jacqueline Jackson, uh, Johnson, rather, uh, Cameron Martinez, and of course, Jameson Williams and Mookie Cooper, who have moved on because they couldn't find the field because Hartline just had that much talent in that room. You know, we talked about it a little bit, uh, and Hartline is, I think, without a doubt, the nation's top recruiting assistant. One of, for sure, the top 10 recruiters in college football at any coaching rank. And I don't see this stopping. As long as you've got Day and Hartline there, we're just going to continue to see elite offense and first-round picks coming out of our quarterback and receivers rooms. We've got a rhythm going right now. And like I said, it's just going to keep building. So let me share the quote 
from his interview from, I believe it was Friday with the NFL. This was a good one. Now, I took out one line in this quote because I didn't want to freak anybody out because I, I didn't want him to be misquoted here. But so I'll add it in here and I'll explain explain what he was meaning. My passion has always been the NFL. I never was a college fan. The NFL is where I grew up. So everything is geared towards that. The way I teach, the way I coach these guys, I the way I coach these guys, I am prepping them to be NFL players. Now, at first when I heard that, I thought, oh, no, everybody's going to freak out because he said I'm not a college fan. What he was talking about was when he was a kid, that he watched the NFL. He didn't watch college. That doesn't mean that he looks at his current position in life and say, I'm more of a fan of the NFL than I am college. That's not what he's meaning here. And the question was about how are how are you successful at the college level when it comes to recruiting and developing talent? And what he's saying is the passion I had for the NFL is what has translated into how I'm coaching college because I'm coaching these guys to be successful in the NFL. Um, he mentioned things like you have to be able to play in a, in a diverse ways as a wide receiver you can't just be good at one thing you got to be good at multiple things because things in the nfl change so rapidly for you that if you're not well uh diverse then you're probably not going to be successful long term things like that that a lot of college coaches just don't have the experience or the know-how to relate to these kids he's able to do that because of that so I look at what he has done, and I believe it's because he's a tremendous communicator. He's able to speak to them. And I love what he said when he's talking to recruits and he's watching their film and they do something good. He'll say, now, why did you do that? And, and not how, but why? He goes, the, the, the question why is what these guys sometimes don't know. And sometimes they say, I don't know how I did it. I'm just an athlete. You know, he's like, okay, but but here's why you wanted to do that, you know, as opposed to that, hey, that was a great route. Just do it again, you know, getting them to understand the game from a three-dimensional way. I think is what he is able to do. And I think all the great coaches, Chris, have that knack where they're able to communicate the game to these people in a way that they understand it and it, it becomes easier for them to take that information, digest it, and then act upon it in such a way to make them successful. I think all the great coaches have that. And no doubt he, Brian Hartline has it, Chris. So here's my question. We got to ask it because we're a Buckeye podcast, right? What is your expectations for Brian Hartline when it comes to his career at Ohio State? A lot of people say he's made his millions in the NFL already. He loves Ohio State. He has a family here in Columbus. He's not all about he's not all about the money. He's going to stay here for a while. Ah, I, I I think that's that's coming from some people who are wearing scarlet and, and gray glasses. Maybe, I mean, I hope that's the way it is. I really truly do. But I yeah. also know that Brian Hartline is a hell of a competitor, man. And when that, you were, that was going to be my thing. Let's not forget, this guy is a great coach now, but he was a an extremely competitive athlete as well. I think that a lot of what happens with Brian Hartline is determined by what happens with Ryan Day 
Kevin Wilson. These guys. I mean, if Wilson should decide to move on, I think that Hartline becomes offensive coordinator. I think that's that's his next logical step. If Ryan Day moves on, you know, who knows? Hartline definitely, you know, the recruiting bones, the performance we've seen out of his his room. I know he's never been a coordinator, but with his ties to the university, it would be hard not to consider him at least in the conversation, though we typically talk about, uh, you know, Luke Fickle probably being the heir apparent. You know, Hartline's got an argument. So, you know, I think ultimately if if Kevin Wilson picks a, chooses a point to move on, I think Hartline becomes the offensive coordinator. And I think it all comes down to a timeline. Because I could see Hartline saying, okay, I'm going to give this you know, five years, eight years, 10 years, whatever for me to become offensive coordinator and another X number of years to become the head coach. And if that doesn't work out, I may have to take to, to quote your buddy, LeBron James, I may have to take my talents elsewhere. Um, but, you know, because I, I don't think that there's going to come a point where you can only be the top recruiting assistant for so long before you want more, especially as a competitor. And I, I know he's made his millions. And I know he, he loves Ohio state and I know he loves Columbus and, and his family's there, but you know what? There, there's still drive in him. If there wasn't, he wouldn't be this good at what he does. So I think it comes down ultimately to his future is determined. Like I said, by what happens if the off of with the offensive coordinator position over say the next five years, and what happens with Ryan Day as the head coach over the next five to ten years? So let's take let's let's put some real talk into this, okay? Ryan Hartline's family is young enough; those girls are young enough that if he moves on, it's not going to affect them the same way as if they were older and in school already. Correct. So. I think if Brian Hartline stays, I think he's here for a while. Um, I, I There's no doubt I think the bigger draw is going to be the NFL for him. I'm more worried about the NFL coming knocking to say, I want you to be my wide receiver coach, than I am uh, another school saying, I want you to be the O.C., See, you know, I don't know. And, and and this is my thought behind that, especially looking, let, let's just go back even over the last couple of decades at the college coaches who have jumped over to the NFL. They haven't seen a lot of success. I mean, Satan, who is one, you know, considered one of, if not the best in college football history, he couldn't cut it in the NFL. Urban. Could not cut it even for a full season in the NFL. <laughs> you well, know, you've got that's, and, that's and, and this rolls on <laughs> and on and on. I mean, you go back and look at Spurrier. Spurrier had a huge success down at the University of Florida. Couldn't cut it in the NFL. Ryan uh, Brian Hartline, I look at him and the way he he's coaches right now. He is a teacher. I truly believe he is a recruiter and a teacher 
And while those two skills are just tremendously important at the college level, you don't have the same guys. I mean, I know they're, they're only a year apart typically, but you don't have the same guys going into the NFL that you did, you know, 30 years ago. These guys in the NFL, they don't want to be coached. They basically want to be given a playbook and sent on their way. Yeah, it's definitely a different it's a different guy, but but also don't don't overlook the fact that Brian Hartline was that guy. Um I mean, he was an NFL but, player. But I would argue that when Hartline played, even even as recently as when Hartline played, the players were different. They're far more much much more primadonnas now than they were even a few years ago when Hartline played. Uh, maybe at the wide receiver position. I still think you got a lot of uh, old school mentality players in the NFL, especially on the offensive and defensive lines that I think relate well to coaching in the NFL. Um, yeah, you're always going to have a, a prima donna wide receiver, it seems like. But I think Brian Hartline, given his his background and have playing in the NFL and had played with some, you know, some different characters, we shall say, uh, with the Miami Dolphins and, and when he was there and things, um, that I think he would know how to handle those guys. So I, you know, you bring up a very good point, Chris, that it, it is a different, it's a totally different game. And I know Brian Hartline understands it. He would understand that him and Ryan Day would understand that better than say Larry Johnson would. Oh, absolutely. Or Kevin Wilson, you know, they've been there, they've coached there. They know what it's like. Um, gosh, they knew, they knew it better than urban did. Urban found out the hard way, man, that it's a totally different world. You cannot, you cannot approach the NFL game like it's college. However, what Brian Hartline is doing is he's approaching the college game. Like it's the NFL. Look what he's doing with it, man. I mean, that's what he basically admitted in the interview is I treat the, treat these guys like they're NFL stars. Like here's okay, how you, the, here's how you're going to be successful. They want to get to the NFL. The right. NFL guys don't want to go back to college. Well, the, I, well, some some kind of talk like they do, you know. Well, after they, they get they there, they realize it's school. a business, you know. You know, they, this they is good talk. To play school, Eric. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good talk. It's a good conversation. I mean. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Let's enjoy the fact that Brian Hartline is is killing it right now as not only a recruiter, but as probably one of the best position position coaches in developing top-level talent and making them first-round draft picks. I mean, here, we just had two guys drafted in, what, the first 11 picks, was it, or 13 12. picks, something like that? 12? I think it was 12, yeah, in the NFL, you're going to have JSN be a first-round draft pick next year. The Likely fall, number one off the board. Maybe you're going to have uh, the following year, probably Marvin Harrison Jr. will go. Maybe a Mecca Egbuka, Julian Fleming. We don't know about him. And, and I mean, and the march keeps going on and on and on here. He's doing something that we've not seen before from this position in in the college game in developing the talent. Let's enjoy the heck out of it. Right. I mean, I am. Absolutely. So I don't want to wish it away, but I do want to be realistic in, in knowing that what Brian Hartline is doing is at worst is making himself a multimillionaire as a position coach because he's that dang valuable now. 
and and he's going to get paid again. He keeps doing this. He's going to become a million-dollar position coach, if not more. And he'll deserve every penny of it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk Let's talk a little bit about the, the weekend that Ohio State had. <clears throat> this was a huge, huge recruiting weekend for Ohio State. Uh, on the on the 2023 front. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go down the list of guys who was at Ohio State, and then we're going to give our opinions as to whether we think Ohio State is going to get this recruit or not. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Let's start with defensive back Caleb Downs from Georgia. Uh, ranked 11th nationally, five-star recruit, the top safety in the country, the top recruit in Georgia. Um, names, uh, the other names other than Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame, and Alabama have been his other official visits. Ohio State got the last official visit here, which is big. They are in the running here. I'm not. I'm not saying that. They're in the lead that I know of. I've not heard a ton of rumors yet. Yes or no? Do we get Caleb Downs? I think we get him, Eric, and this is why. I think, you know, you look at it, the Buckeyes, I really like their chances because you mentioned it. You know, at one time, Clemson was in the mix. Well, you know, Venables is gone. The defense is going to take a serious blow there. It's a fading franchise. They're out. Uh, you've got Alabama and Georgia. And right here, Eric, I'm going to be honest. I think NIL money can have a fact, play a factor here. I think we're going to have more to throw around than they do for this guy. So it comes down to Ohio State and Notre Dame, in my opinion. And let me tell you, I think the Buckeyes have a new high-profile defensive coordinator running a safety-driven you know, defense, a position coach in Perry Eliano coming off a great performance at Cincinnati, seeing multiple DBs drafted last season. I give the Buckeyes a 75% shot of landing this guy. I, yeah, I'm with you. I think we get him. I, I mean, I, I think the, having that last visit was huge. That's I huge. Think. All right, let's stay on the defensive side. Four-star linebacker, and this is someone who we've talked uh, about a lot, Tackett Curtis. He made his official visit this uh, past weekend. Um, other official visits included USC and Wisconsin. Uh, a lot of people are saying it's going to come down to the Badgers and the Buckeyes. I'm confident he's an Ohio State guy. You know, Knowles has been recruiting this kid since he was at Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, there are really only three schools in the mix, as you mentioned. Wisconsin, you can go there and lose to the Buckeyes in the Big Ten title game every year. You can go to an improved but still rebuilding USC team, or you can come to Ohio State. I see the Buckeyes locking this guy down sooner rather than later, Eric. Steve Wolfong and uh, Bill Curlick both have already crystal balled this guy to the Buckeyes. I don't agree. I'm going to leave a slim hope for the Badgers, and I'm going to say it's only a 95% chance he's a Buckeye. All right, staying again on the defensive side, linebacker Troy Bowles from Tampa, Florida, Jesuit. Um, Oklahoma and Georgia were previous official visits before coming to Ohio State this weekend. The four-star linebackers um, been a heavy lean to Georgia. Did we did we do anything to upset the apple cart there, or do you think he's going to be a bulldog? 
you know, I don't, I don't think we did enough. I really think that this kid's going to end up being a bulldog. I give us maybe a 20% chance in recruiting this kid or landing this kid at the best. Defensive end Jason Moore from Maryland. Previous official visits included Penn State, Notre Dame, and that team up north. Uh, after this weekend, this this is somebody who plays at the Matha Catholic there in Maryland. Um, he came in, took pictures in the number two jersey. <clears throat> Who's that remind you of, right? Who also came from that area. Yeah. But but considered an a Notre Dame lean here a little bit. Did we did we maybe persuade him to come be and, and fill the shoes of uh, another number two at defensive end and Chase Young, or is he gonna is he gonna be a Golden Domer? You know, Wolfong already has this guy, Crystal Ball to the Irish, our old buddy Al Washington. He's the primary recruiter. The Irish do have an exciting young defensive minded coach. Can't keep his mouth shut. Uh I think right now the thing that probably a given – well, there was two things, obviously. He goes to Catholic school. I don't know the, the, his religion, but the assumption would be that perhaps he is Catholic. So there may be some obvious draw there. Um, but I think another thing that could play into the, the, the equation is, you know, even though we've got the GOAT as far as defensive line coaches go, his age and, you know, uncertainty about how much longer he's going to be with the Buckeyes could definitely be a factor. I, I don't know what happened this weekend. I had this currently Notre Dame slightly over Ohio State, like a 55-45 type thing. I don't know if we did enough this weekend to change it. I want, I want to disagree with you. <laughs> is that okay to say that I I, 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 I want wanna... you to disagree with me, Eric? I want you to tell me this kid's coming here. I don't think I don't think he is. Um, I think the draw to Notre Dame for him, given the given what you talked about, I agree with. We'll see. We'll see what the rumors are coming off of this weekend. If all of a sudden he talks about how great it was, and then we go out and stomp the Irish in week one, maybe he's like, you know what, I'm going to be a Buckeye. I think the longer this recruit goes, the better it is for us. How about Absolutely. that? Yeah, okay. Here's one where I give us zero chance. Running back Justice Haynes from Buford, Georgia. Uh, other previous official visits included his home state, Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. Uh, he's a heavy lean to Georgia. I don't know that we did enough to, to, to pull them away from the Bulldogs. They're, they're a running back factory, Chris. Yeah, I'm with you, Eric. I think this kid is definitely he, – he's going to be a Bulldog. I don't think we got a shot. Now, Curlig, the dean, he thinks Ohio State has a legitimate shot to land this guy. I don't see it. I have not heard that. Obviously, he's more in the in the know than you and I ever will be. So as long as he says we've got you know we've got a chance, I'm not going to say zero. But well, you know, you this is the thing too. There are two things to look at here. One being what you just mentioned with the uh, with uh, more, and that being the longer this goes, it could be the better. Mm -hmm. The other thing being, again. I think we have an advantage over Georgia when it comes to NIL money to throw around. 
So those two things can be a factor. Fair enough. Defensive lineman John Walker from Kissimmee, Florida, was on campus this weekend as well. His other official visits before Ohio State included uh, UCF, that team up north, and the Hurricanes of Miami. He also has an official visit currently scheduled for Florida on October 15th. But everything I'm hearing is this guy's a Buckeye. Yeah, yeah. The the same thing with me, Eric. I think that uh, I think we've got this big fish on lockdown here. Um, you know, the the Florida schools right now are making a big push trying to keep this guy in state. But I, I think we got about a 75% chance that this guy ends up with us. Linebacker Raul Aguirre, 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 Raul Aguirre from Fayetteville, Georgia. Um, so I don't know much about this guy out of these recruits. Um, I do know he's previously visited Florida, Alabama, and Texas. And we were on the last bit of that. So getting him last, I think, was good for us. He's a four-star linebacker, ranked 118th nationally, eighth at his uh, position, and ninth in the state of Georgia. And I'm going to say he, we get him. I think we get this guy. Well, this is one where we're going to disagree a little bit. Okay. I, I don't okay. know that we've got him. Um, it is said that it's a wide-open race. And it's anybody's it's anybody's ball game. I you know I shouldn't say we're not going to get him. I just don't have the confidence you do. Um, right now I think it's completely wide open. The last visit coming with us I think is definitely an advantage. Um, I'm just hesitant to pull the trigger on him. I, I don't know that we can land this kid. How about offensive lineman Olas Alins from uh, or Alinis from? Windsor, Connecticut, uh, has visited Miami, Bama, Georgia, and Oregon uh, before coming to Ohio State. Considered an Alabama lean, but this this one's big for us. I would say this is uh, – I think this is one that we, we kind of need to win. We need to win this one. He's a, he's a tackle that we need. We got the three guards from Ohio in this class. We need a big-name tackle. He's definitely it. Can we get him, Chris? You know, right now I have Bama with a slight edge, but I mean very slight. He is crystal balled by two of the uh, experts there stating that he is to going to go to Bama. But even they're not real confident. I think one was, uh, you, you know, like 60% sure. One was 50% sure or just over 50% sure. So... I don't think that he's completely out of the out of the uh, running for us. Um, I think he's one that he's slight Bama right now, but I think if he had a good visit, we have the ability to flip. Yeah, I this is one I'm really rooting for because we we need this. How about tight end Jelani Thurman from uh, Fairburn, Georgia? A lot of Georgia guys here this weekend. Um, you know, we've got one tight end in this class already. He's visited Michigan State, Auburn, and Bama uh, before visiting Ohio State. Um, there, there's not a huge need to get another tight end, but I think if they like this guy, they, they might take him if he wants to be a Buckeye. 
So that kind of tells me that maybe we didn't show him the kind of love that maybe Michigan State or Auburn did here. You, you know, know what I mean? I don't know that we uh, definitely we don't need him. But more than anything, I don't know that he wants us. And, and let me tell you why. It's not that Ohio State doesn't have a great uh, tight end tradition, but this is the thing. You had four teams really in the running with Alabama, Auburn, Michigan State, and Ohio State. You look at Auburn. Auburn has eight scholarships tight ends. The Buckeyes have seven scholarship tight ends and a commit. Bama has six scholarship tight ends. Sparty only has three. Mm. You look at that, and I would love to see the kid land with the Buckeyes, but you know what? It might be better for him to go see Sparty, um, you know, to where he's going he's gonna to get some more immediate playing time. You know, obviously he could earn it coming to one of the other schools, but those rooms, like we've seen with the wide receivers at Ohio State, those rooms can get bogged down very easily. So I kind of I kind of think this might be a Michigan State target here. Defensive end Desmond Umazulu from Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Uh, previous visits included the Tar Heels of North Carolina and the Gamecocks of South Carolina, along with the Panthers of Pitt. We were the last of that uh, quadru- quadrant of uh, schools to visit. He's a four-star guy, ranked 136 nationally. Uh, currently, no experts have any crystal balls for him. I think we nail this guy. I think he's. I think this weekend was big for him. I think he's going to be a Buckeye. Yeah, I agree, Eric. I, I've got a strong feel. I, in fact, I'm feeling pretty strong about it to the tune of about 70%. I think he becomes a Buckeye. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh, if you look, is kind of out of the running at this point. Boston College was his original fifth. They're out of the running at this point. It came to Ohio State versus the Carolinas. I think he's a Buckeye. All right, let's talk about uh, cornerback, shall we? How about Kay and Lee from Ellenwood, Georgia? Again, another Georgia guy. Previous visits included uh, Nebraska and the Ducks of Oregon before coming and checking out Ohio State. Obviously, being from Georgia, he's been on the campus uh, there in Athens. Uh, some crystal balls going back and forth between Ohio State and Georgia. I like this kid. I think we get him. He's a, ranked 145th nationally in the composite, 18th as uh, ranked highest quarter, uh, cornerback in the nation. Uh, a little, little, little small, 5'11", 185 pounds, but he's built like a, a Mack truck, um, and he runs good. So I, I want Kane Lee. I think this is a guy I think who, despite not being a top 100 recruit, kind of to me and watching him plays like one. So I, I think we get him. I think that we offered we're the best team outside of Georgia, but I think the Georgia's kind of like that home state kind of feel. And they look at him kind of how we look at like three-star guys from Ohio. I think it's kind of how the Bulldogs look at him. I think Ohio state's able to get Lee here. Well, I'll tell you what, Eric, I'm going to make your day. Ohio state's got Lee. Beautiful. Book it. He's coming. He said, book it. <laughs> How about defensive line, defensive lineman Darren Reed from Columbus, Georgia? Uh, official visits included LSU, Miami, and Auburn before taking official with Ohio State. Um, we have three different experts giving in three different uh, crystal balls, one to Florida State, 
one to LSU, one to Ohio State. I have no idea where this one's going. Um, I think I think Ohio State's got a doggone good chance. I'll give it a 50-50 that we land him over, say, LSU. Yeah, see, I'm not that confident. I think this kid is truly undecided at this point. I I, I honestly would not be ashamed to give each of these schools about a 33.3% chance of landing the kid. Um, I do like the fact that he did come to Ohio State last. I do like the fact that Florida State is one of the schools in competition with this because, let's face it, they are really not relevant. Um, LSU? Now, Kelly down there at LSU could, could give us a run for our money when it comes to landing this kid, I think. Um, you see, that's why I think he ends up at Ohio State, because I think Kelly will do something to rub the guy the wrong way. And that would not surprise me. Especially if LSU gets off to a bad start, you know what I mean? If he, he wants to drag out this recruitment and doesn't make a commitment yeah. before the season starts, and he watches LSU kind of implode down there, which is kind of what I think will happen under Kelly, um, then I think Ohio State can land him. All right, you convinced me, Eric. Let's yeah. go ahead. I'll say he's a 51% chance to go to to Ohio State. All right, so these are these are the names you guys need to know. These are the names that they're going after. This was a huge recruiting weekend. Like I said, they're trying to really bolster that 2023 class. We've got a lot of momentum right now, which I love. I think that recruiting is going very well over at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, and I'm expecting plenty of booms in the month of July. We usually get several not only from the current year, but even from the next year with Dylan Riola as our one recruit, which got a huge um, ranking bump, Chris. He's the number one recruit in the class of 2024 now. I don't know if you saw that. I did see that. Yeah, so and he, I guess he was absolutely recruiting his butt off with some of the 2024 guys who were there. So uh, things are looking good for Ohio State, man. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that. It's been a while since we've talked recruiting and uh, felt like uh, given uh, the Tate, Ennis, and Rogers announcements this week that it was time to do that. All right, that leads us to what's no doubtedly going to be the most difficult part of what we've been doing with the um, Mount Rushmore by the decades. We've reached the 70s, and holy cow. This was difficult, Chris. I, I've took a sneak, sneak peek at the 80s. Even the 80s is nowhere near as difficult as the 70s were. Well, no, you look at the 70s, I think there's only one guarantee on the board. Yeah, and, and who would that be by chance? Well, I think that's got to be Archie Griffin. I mean, you look at the guy, 924 carries, 5,589 yards, 26 touchdowns, 6 yards per carry. All he did was go out and be a three-time All-American, three-time All-Big Ten, two-time Big Ten MVP, two-time Sporting News Player of the Year, two-time UPI Player of the Year, Maxwell Award winner, two-time Walter Camp Award winner. By the way, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, yeah, he was the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner in college football history. That guy has got the spot. (laughs) Yeah, he's number one, obviously. And he's he's on the Mount Rushmore overall of Ohio State. Regardless He's on the Mount Rushmore of college football, Eric. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. So that's obvious. That's number one. All right. So let me give you another name. And by the way, we threw out to you, the listeners on our Facebook page, a poll where we gave you guys nine names. Archie Griffin, Jim Stillwagon, Randy Gratishaw, 
uh, Tom Kuzno, Jack Tatum, John Hicks, Rex Kern, Pete Johnson, and Cornelius Green. And we let you guys vote. The second leading vote getter, and this is what really kind of convinced me, because if all of you voted for this guy to where you think next to Archie Griffin, he needs to be on the Mount Rushmore, I kind of agree with you. We got to go with Jack Tatum. He won oh, two yeah. national. He won two national championships, 1968-1970, was a two-time consensus All-American in 69 and 70, and was a three-time first-team All-Big Ten, 68, 69, and 70, all three years he played. He was recruited to be a running back, okay, but was quickly uh, taken as a freshman and put on the defense, and he never looked back, became one of the, the, the most feared players in NFL history. And so much so that he was given the moniker Assassin, okay? Jack Tatum's got to be on this Mount Rushmore list, Chris. And let's not forget, he was also the 1970 Defensive Player of the Year in college football. I mean, yeah. So I think that's Yeah, I think absolutely. That's I'm right there with you. All right, so who's number three on your list then? This is where it starts to get interesting. You know, I, I was torn between a couple linebackers here at number three. And ultimately, I went with Tom Kuzno. Three times first team, or three times he was yes. first team All Big Ten, two time first team consensus All American, Big Ten MVP in '78, MVP of the '77 Orange Bowl. You know, in '78 he had 211 tackles, 17 and a half tackle per game average. And he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2016. Give me Tom Cousineau. Yeah, Cousineau. There we go. Second in career tackles at Ohio State with 569. First in single season tackles with 211 in 1978. And ninth, by the way, with 147 in 76. Holds the single game record for tackles with 29. Oh, by the way, he's also third on that list with 28. Oh, he had, way, what, six of the top ten games at one point? Yeah, he's six on that list, twice with 23, and eighth on that list with 22. The dude the dude just owns that record. I mean, he owns it. I agree. I know a lot of people like Randy Gratishaw, and I get it. I know why you like him. I understand why you think he needs to be on Mount Rushmore. But statistically, Tom Kuzuno was better. He just was. Yeah, I agree. All right, so that means it comes down to this fourth position. And I, I'm kind of going against the fans here big time. We did, we both did it with Tom, but I don't know how we don't have John Hicks on Mount Rushmore here. <laughs> Oddly enough, I agree with you, Eric. That was really? my fourth. I mean, Outland Trophy winner in 73, the Lombardi Award in 73, two-time All-American in 72 and 73, first-team All-Big Big Ten twice in 72 and 73, um, was on Ohio State's All-Century team, considered the second-greatest lineman in Ohio State history behind Orlando Pace. It's and, it's easy to look over him because he's an offensive lineman, not named Orlando Pace, right? You know, you know what, Eric? He was the first Ohio State player— to ever start three Rose Bowls. He's in the Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. By the way, in 73, he was second in Heisman voting as an offensive lineman. Yeah. How do you not have him up there? Yeah. So, you know, I think he gets overlooked because simply put, he's a lineman. 
Now, I understand why Cornelius Green got love from the fans. He is easy to love. Absolutely. He's the first African-American quarterback at Ohio State. He is, next to Archie Griffin, probably one of the best um, representatives of the college and, and the football program in his lifetime. He's, he, he'll come back to Columbus on his own to promote Ohio State and the greatness that was the 70s, right, in those, those Archie Griffin teams. He's, he's buddies with Archie Griffin. Um, I understand the love that Cornelius Green gets, but I just don't know how you put him in over John Hicks. I, I can't do it. No. No, I'll tell you, Eric, we, we put that list out there, like you said, and how every if every player doesn't have at least one vote, there's something wrong with that because they were all great. Yeah, they, they all got plenty of votes. Um, even even the person who got 3%, which is the lowest, still had 14 votes in Jim Stillwagon. Yeah. So there was a lot of voting going on. By the way, Archie Griffin had 130 votes, by far the most, but he, he was 22%, uh, or excuse me, 29%. Jack Tatum was 22% at 99 votes. So everybody was getting love. Uh, on this list, and you, and and I understand why that is. I thought this was a really good exercise. I don't think we're going to have nearly this uh, this problem in the '80s. In fact, right off the bat, without even looking at the list, I could probably name name three guys right yep. away in the '80s that I would put on there right away. I bet there's a linebacker. Uh, yeah, I bet he wore number 36. Maybe a wide receiver. Yeah, uh, uh, who uh, was born and bred in Ohio and will be a Buckeye to the day he dies. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, there's two right there. Um, well, let's not take all the fun out of it and give it away yet. Yeah, that, that's true. Let's let's wait till next week. But those are given. Everybody knows those. So, all right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I've got an awesome interview with my buddy Scott Rogers, who um, was a basketball coach and has been a listener since, gosh, since the beginning almost of this podcast. We have a great conversation. You're going to like it a lot. And uh, when we come back next, uh, our next episode, 225, I guess is what we'll be on next week, 4th of July. It's basically our last show, Chris, before we start the previews already. Can you I'm, believe I'm looking that? forward to it. I'm, I'm ready. I mean, the previews are going to be happening. All right, everybody, so hang tight. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. And now I'm joined by one of our listeners, Scott Rogers from, I believe, Northeast Ohio, if I'm not mistaken. Scott, welcome to the show. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Uh, hi, uh, Eric. Thanks for having me. I appreciate this. This is this is an honor to be on the show. Um, my name is Scott Rogers. I'm from East Circle, Ohio. I don't know if many people know where East Circle is. It's right down on a tip between West Virginia and Pennsylvania and Ohio. Uh, we're about 45 minutes away from Pittsburgh, uh, two hours from Cleveland. We're in a dead spot of Ohio, but you know what? I grew up here. It's the uh, pottery capital of the pottery capital of the world at one time, known for the pottery. Um, a little bit about myself. 
right now I'm working for the East Circle School District, uh, working maintenance right now. I take care of the grounds, cut grass and everything. Uh, love the job. Love, love working for my alma mater. Uh, coach, been coaching for 30 years. Uh, something I grew up doing, playing basketball in third grade. I've been doing it. My dad was a coach. He was the AD at East Liverpool High School for about 38 years. Uh, he was a coach. Uh, I grew up playing under Nick Alloy. I don't know if you guys know who Nick Alloy is. He's one of the top coaches in Division One from the state of Ohio. Uh, I played for him. He gave me the opportunity to coach, and uh, I've stuck with it, and I love it. Uh, you know, I'm looking right now to finding a position as a head coach somewhere again, Uh boys particular i did girls for three years as a head coach and i did assistant coach for two years so i'm looking to move on as the boys head coach sometime and uh uh that's pretty much it i got a daughter right now who's like uh, you guys talked about her she has going to bethany university she's my pride and joy uh she's uh playing soccer and runs track at bethany uh she got recruited by Hiram, but uh circumstances uh, had her change so she's at Bethany now, going into her sophomore year. Um, that's pretty much it, Eric. Uh, I, I got a wife, Sarah. I've been married now 20-some years. Uh, enjoyed it. You know, we've had her ups and downs, but, you know, it's been it's been a joy to have her with me. Uh, she's had to deal with my coaching and deal with all, everything we go through, but you know what? It's, it's all worth it. It is. It is. And I'm married to Sarah as well. So congratulations on that. And yes, congratulations on your daughter. I've been following her athletic career, both in soccer and track and uh, uh, through your Facebook page. And uh, she's quite the little athlete. And uh, that's pretty awesome to see. My son actually just got a soccer scholarship to Cedarville College here in Ohio. And uh, he was a he went to Indianola High School in Iowa. Uh, that's where his mother lived, and he was a part of the uh, all uh, all state team in soccer, and decided he wanted to come back home to Ohio. And Cedarville offered him a scholarship, and so Dad's going to get the opportunity to watch him play soccer a whole lot more than when he was in Iowa. So I'm pretty excited about that. So that's he's awesome. A- He's a, he's a good kiddo. So, Scott, let's talk a little bit about your fandom with Ohio State, man. When did you become a, a fan of the Buckeyes, and uh, who were some of the influencers that maybe led you down that road? Because you're in that area where you could have been a mountaineer, you could have been a Nittany Lion, but uh, it sounds like you bleed scarlet and gray like the rest of us. When I graduated high school, I was looking to go to WVU. I uh, never worked out at going to Kent State, but my love for the Buckeyes started back in the early 80s. Uh, the one person that opened my eyes to the Buckeyes was Dennis Hobson. And I still get in contact with Dennis Hobson here and there. I always ask him about coaching philosophies and stuff like that. If I need, if I have a problem, I usually message him and text him. He always replies back. He's been one of the guys I've always looked up to. And a very, very important part of my life has been him. He's one reason I really love the Buckeyes. And it was more towards basketball at the time. But I grew up, like I said, my sister graduated from high state. She's an alumni there. And my first recollection of going to a high state football game is when she lived in the stadium dorm. Uh, my senior year where they played Michigan State, they ain't losing to Michigan State, but it was the first time I got to be in the shoe. 
Mm-hmm. I've been I've been to I've watched the high state games on TV. Archie Griffin, Schleser, and all them guys. I watched them growing up. Watched them in the Rose Bowls, uh, but I never got to go to a game until my sister lived in the stadium, and that right there was enough to make me fall in love with the Buckeyes. It, it's just I live, drink, eat, sleep Buckeyes every Saturday, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. To be honest with you, because I watch the basketball, I keep in touch with their hockey team. Uh, I love the Buckeyes. I, mean, I got a friend who's in his late 70s who went to uh, the Buckeye games back when the prices were $25 a ticket. He <laughs> yeah. always brought that up. The good uh, old days. <laughs> the good old days, yeah. Uh, but being in the shoe when my sister went to school there, she lived in the stadium dorm, which is a very high privilege because you had to have academics to live in that stadium dorm. And Getting to walk the field, getting to be in the stadium, it was just like I was in a different world. Uh, she had a T-shirt that I wish I could find. It said, you want to come play in my backyard? And on the back of the shirt, it had a picture of the horseshoe. Oh, that's awesome. And that I just – and ever since, I've fallen in love with the Buckeyes. I, you know, like I said, I, tried, I wanted to go to West Virginia. My heart was set to go there. And I kind of got talked out of it to go to Kent and that's when I'm going to Kent state, but my sister went to high state. And we kept in touch going back and forth, getting to travel to the college. It was too big for me. I thought high state was too big for me at the time. I was like, I couldn't, there's no way in the world I could go to high state, which is too big. But <laughs> yeah, interestingly enough, now, now you and I, we talk basketball a lot during the basketball season. A lot of yeah. people, they check out when football's done. And, <laughs> and, and of course this is a football podcast, but, you know, you and I, we we go at it. My background is in, in in basketball as well. I played basketball and baseball, and I coached basketball uh, up and through high school. And I'm actually one of those Bob Huggins disciples. I I I grew up under Huggy Bear when he was at Cincinnati, as far as going to all his camps and and those things. And so it's kind of interesting. Here he is now, the head coach over at West Virginia, which is his alma mater. Uh, but his dad. Uh, the old, the old senior Huggins, he, he was a phenomenal man. I don't know if you ever got a chance to meet him or knew him, uh, but he was a heck of a high school basketball coach here in the state of Ohio as well. And, uh, I actually got to go to his Nike camp when I was in junior high. And I, I thought I was really good, Scott, until I went to that camp and got dunked on and realized I'm not very good. <laughs> I'm just a slow white boy compared to these guys, but uh, it was awesome. It's a memory I, I've, I've cherished my whole life. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the OHIO podcast, man. I, I'm trying to remember how we connected. I want to say it was really early on, I, maybe like three years ago or so. If, yeah, three years ago. I just – you guys started doing your podcast, and I, I thought, you know what? There's not too many Buckeye pages out there, Buckeye pods podcast that i enjoy listening to, but you guys i just fell in love with your 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 thing and i'm not just saying that because i'm talking to you uh i got my brother i got my dad listening to it i got my friend down the street listening to you guys so it was about three years ago it was about about three years ago so i think we just started chatting on you guys would post something on on the page and i would reply back to it and mm-hmm. and, and it, it reverses history yeah yeah, I know. I appreciate you sharing the love, man. That's awesome. I, we we want to continue to grow this thing. We've we've 
kind of spread the network, I guess you could call it. But uh, the bread and butter is always going to be the football podcast. That seems the that that definitely brings in the most ears, the most listeners. So yeah, but no, I, I remember that well. I remember chatting with you and, and early on, and and that was a, that was really cool. So talk to me a little bit about this past year. I guess I'll, I'll preference that by asking you this question. Did the 2021 Buckeyes meet your expectations as a fan? No. And why I mean by that, because I grew up thinking of the silver bullets. I always thought the defense was the key to the, uh, this high state through the years with Chris Spillman and some of the greats that come through the system. I always thought our defense would be the key. My expectations with this team was with the offense that we have, I thought our defense would be better and carry us, and I thought our defense let us down. Scheme-wise, we talked about it before when I've chatted with you guys on your on your cast about the schemes and stuff like that, the player personnel and everything. I thought that that hurt that team last year. That team mm-hmm. had such a great offense that the defense really, really bothered me. And I talked about it with friends and that all year long about how, how bad I, this is not a high state defense. It's not. And I'm hoping this year with Knowles coming in, things will change. Yeah. Let's talk about that change a little bit then. So moving forward to 2022, I guess, I mean, if you've been following the news the last couple of days, Brian Hartline is out there recruiting five stars, like, uh, like it's nothing. Um, the most incredible thing I've ever seen. I've never seen two five stars and a, and a four star who's in the top 50 that they got today, three consecutive days in a row of top 50 guys all at one position. I have never seen that in my lifetime before. I don't know your thoughts on recruiting or if you follow as much as I do or not, but Brian Hartline, man, like the guy's incredible, Scott. I know, there's yes. there's no description we can give this guy. I've never seen this before. It's unbelievable. He he's luring, and that's what I I'm speechless on him. I think he's a great recruiter. I think he's a great coach. Look what he's done with this receiving core, and he's a Buckeye. Yeah, he he's a Buckeye. And that's the biggest thing about. He is installing these guys coming to Ohio State, the meaning of being a Buckeye. And I think that has a lot to do with it. But just to just to know they got that Tate Ennis and Rogers is his name. Is that the three they got? They Tate, got Ennis Rogers today. They got Ennis and there was what was the first one? I th- I think it might have been Tate. I, I have Tate? to look it up now. But uh Carnell Tate. There it is. Yes. Carnell Tate. My it's my phone's been going off all day. If my brother, my friend from down south, who's a big Buckeye fan, Ed Stafko, you know Ed, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. And been going off all day about boom, boom, getting another one, we're getting another one. I'm like, you can't be excited. It's like Christmas morning. Every time you get <laughs> on your notifications and you find that we're getting these guys, and it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, is it true? We live in reality right now that the Buckeyes are landing this type of talent. Now, can they win a national championship? That's what I want. I want a national championship or two in these next four to five years. And I believe they can do it, man. Yeah, That's just my opinion. I think as soon as Ryan Day is able to get over that hump and he wins one, I think he wins that second one pretty quickly. Now, I don't know if it'll be the next year, but it would be with, I would say, within, you know, given the talent we've got backed up, back to back to back. As soon as he's able to get over that hump and win the first one, I think the second one comes within two years. Um, just just based on talent alone and his and, – and here's the thing. 
I, I don't think he's going anywhere, Scott. I, I really don't. I think he's sticking around for a while. His family, uh, they all love the Olentangy School District where his kids go to school. His son's going to be, an, I think, an eighth grader this year, if not a freshman in high school. And he's quite the quarterback at one of the Olentangy schools. And so he was actually he was actually at the Ohio State camp with those four- and five-star recruits. The kid's going to be very good. I don't know if he's going to be good enough to be Ohio State quarterback caliber, but he's going to be good enough, I would say, to probably play Division One football, just given his genetics and and the yeah. the great coaching he's automatically going to get at home, yeah. and then being able to hang around all these guys to throw the football to. But he might be one of those walk on type of guys, you know. And if he does that, he, I mean, Ryan Day ain't going to leave, you know, leave his son there. So I think he's here for at least another six to eight years, if not more. And in that time period, I'm with you, Scott. I think he wins a couple. Uh, I really do. I think it's there. I think he's got the hunger. I know he's he's angry about how things went down with the team up north last year. And, you know, I just feel like that's going to be one of those days where we we write that ship. We, we write that wrong uh, come the end of November this year. So look, uh, talking a little bit about the future for this team, I've been saying – this is a national championship caliber offense. It all hinges on the defense. Do you agree with me? Yes or no or why? 100% I agree, and I brought that up in the conversation I was having with another Buckeye friend that they're they're hyped on the acquisitions of all these recruits coming in for offense. And I said to him, I said in exact words where I said, listen, I'm not saying I'm not excited. I'm excited as anybody who were scarlet and gray. What concerns me now, can this defense rebound? Not only from last year, but even the year before. I didn't think the year before we were that great either. I mean, we got exposed in the Alabama in the national championship game. Yes, we did. And last year we got it, and last year it was just a train wreck. The key, I think, Eric, and this may, uh, I agree with you 100% what you said. The key, I think, is, is how far this defense comes this year. And the, my biggest thing is I think we got the defensive backs. I think we got the defensive line. But the thing I've always asked, where's our linebackers been? Why okay. haven't we got the linebackers? Ever since Lou Fickle left, it seems like our linebacking has gone with him. I agree. 100%. You know, I, I think one of the things that lacked in, in the defense last year that I want to see come game one against Notre Dame, I want to see some toughness. Um, I, I feel that they were so soft last year as a defense for the most part. And until they came out of the locker room at the Rose Bowl at halftime, we didn't see it all year for the most part. They were just as soft as, as baby poop sometimes, man. And it, a lot of it, I think, and as a coach, and you, I know you'll understand this, like it's defense is all about heart and uh, I, having an I want to. Like you have to really want to play defense. There's nothing that bothers me more in basketball than a guy who's like, I scored 20 points. I mean, yeah, but you let your guy score 30, you know, <laughs> like you didn't that's, play any defense, man. I hate that. And that's exactly what I say. I mean, you, uh, with like a basketball terms again, and I've always said it because everybody always talks about offense. Everybody talks about offense, this offense, that. You can score 40 points, but you can give up 42 and still lose a game. That's yeah. the thing I want to see the defense stop. I mean, the blitzing. We don't, I don't see, I don't think we blitz enough. I don't, maybe I'm wrong. 
I don't think we blitz enough as a team that should be blitzing more to get more pressure, to help the defensive line out. When you have a good defensive line like we've had, we don't have the Joey Bozos and the Youngs and that like we did. we we got to find that again, which I think we do this year. What I, I'm sorry, I forget the name. The uh, sophomore. Jack Sawyer and JT Tumulau. There you so, go. Yeah. Yep. Those two guys this year could be the next Bozos, a young stepping in this year. But the key is, I think they need help from the linebacker. I may be wrong on that, but the linebacking core has to stand up this year. They yes. had to make an impact, and that's something we have. I personally haven't seen the last couple of years. Our linebackers have not been there, or they haven't been at a consistent basis. I agree. So, yeah, that's 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 the number one thing about Ohio State is we preview them going into the 2022 season. All the questions are on Jim Knowles and the improvement of that defense. And specifically, I think you're right, Scott, can those linebackers take a step forward and can the defensive line create pressure that's going to uh, help the defensive backfield and and so that they can can play with a little bit more freely, I guess you could say, as, as opposed to worrying about shoring up the run defense because, you know, and the, all the passing underneath because our linebackers are lost. Um, <clears throat> one more question for you. I asked this to everybody. You probably know this one's coming. What does it mean to you, Scott Rogers, to be a Buckeye? What it means to me to be a Buckeye? Uh, it means it means a lot. I mean, that may sound stupid. It may sound foolish. But anywhere I can, let me put it this way, Eric, for you, and I'll answer it like this. When I could go anywhere in this country, which I've been, I've been to California, I've been down to Florida, and I can yell out OH, and I always do, and I get an IO back, there's nothing in the world that sends a chill up my spine in here now. Hearing that we have probably the top fan bases in the country, you can't go anywhere in the state in the country, and I, Talk to people I live across the my cousin there. There's a Buckeye bar. There's a Buckeye thing. There's a Buckeye this, Buckeye that. That, I'm sorry, that's that, there's like goosebumps. Even mm-hmm. talking about it. And the one thing, like today at work, I'm listening to, I listen to you guys at work on your podcast. I turn on my high state music and playing Hang On Sloopy. There's nothing in the world that sends chills up my spine listening to that stuff. <laughs> and it's just, you know, look, talking to you right now. It's just I'm fired up already for football season. I know. I, mean, I, I can't wait, man. <laughs> every, I'm fired every, up for football season already. Every day I put those, you know, the countdown going down. I'm like, man, can this thing move faster, please? <laughs> yes. I would, and uh, you mentioned Hang On Sloopy. Uh, I think you're going to like this year's shirts. I'll just tease that to you. We have we have shirts that we have uh, available. We make new ones every year, and this one's going to be uh, – going to be pretty nice i think you'll like that well that's this week's show everybody uh we want to thank scott for joining us we want to thank all of you for listening and be like scott man share the share our podcast with everybody else please give us a five-star review if you can on itunes or spotify or stitcher or wherever you're listening to this podcast that helps uh other great Ohio State fans find us when they search Ohio State football podcast. So please do that. As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, Scott, OH! IO! Go Bucks! Oh, come, let's sing, oh. 
highest praise and songs through while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat or winter's cold the seasons pass the years will roll time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship oh